Next on BYUSN, men's basketball drop, a tough game on the road to Oklahoma State. What the heck happened against the Cowboys, and are the concerns greater than just that singular loss? We'll be joined by ESPN college basketball analyst and premier insider Jay Billis to get his thoughts on BYU's first year in the Big 12 overall and the matchup against Baylor tomorrow. After a career game from Lauren Gustin, should she be in the Big 12 Player of the Year conversation? And which Cougar qualified for the Olympics over the weekend? That guy. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. I am Spencer Linton, alongside Puka Nakua's one-on-one -on -one basketball trainer, Jerem Jordan. I told him just dunk. No one really cares whether you're going to make a three or not, although he made that. Uh, Puk was fantastic in the uh, Celebrity All-Star game. It's about time uh, we had a, a Cougan All-Star weekend. There he is. It's been a hot minute, right? Who, who would be the last Cougar in, in All-Star weekend? Danny Ainge in the 80s? Uh, I don't know. 17 points, five boards, four assists, two big dunks. Well done with this uh, like LED court, which is pretty cool. Yeah, the flames on the floor and the four-point spot and like all sorts the, of weird stuff. The Pringles Ridgeline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fun to watch him do his thing. This, this was the, the big play, dunk yeah. and then the steal. And then he uh, yeah, assisted a three. Like he did some great things. It's just fun to watch him in this this six, uh, I guess increased spotlight. It's happened so fast, which has been wild to watch, right? Yeah. yeah. Dan, uh, Danny Rojas can really play basketball. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he play for the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, that guy too. I don't I don't know his name. I'm not gonna learn it. His All name's wannabe Pukunuko. <laughs> they do look very similar. All rise and shout. It's time for what's trending. Keller fires a three and he knocks it in. Keller lock and load three. Money. Robinson. Trevin Nell will drive it and lay it up and in. Dallin Hall. Cross court foos. Finger roll. Score and the foul. 93-83 Oklahoma State picks up its biggest win of the year. Tough game in every sense of the phrase for BYU men's basketball. What's trending? Sponsored by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. I don't know what it is about the state of Oklahoma, but it has not been kind to BYU men's basketball. They played arguably their two worst games of the season, both in the Sooner State at Oklahoma, and now most recently Let's get there before them in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. Yeah. 93 points given up. BYU's offense does enough to get to 83, but. Ultimately, still 10 points short. The Cougars were a six-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. BYU now falls to six-and-six six in the Big 12. What the heck happened in Stillwater uh, in BYU's worst performance of the season? Yeah, uh, you give up 1.431 points per possession, which is a season low in the Big 12. Uh, I would assume that's for the whole season as well. 93 points against Oklahoma State is the most they've scored in Big 12 play. This was the most winnable road game BYU's had. Unfortunately, it uh, didn't go well. Uh, this is the, the worst loss of the season, quad three pregame, quad two, because BYU's top ten in that, so it raises this game. So it's not a bad loss by committee standards, but it's tough because BYU hadn't had a loss like this. BYU didn't have a, a loss to anybody outside of, like, 60-plus in net, and now it's suddenly – you know, a team that was 136 on that day, they, they get a bump up to 125, which is nice. But by perception and reality, worst loss of the season, which is tough, right? Before that, it was Utah by net ranking, which isn't a bad loss. So we, we, we hadn't had this kind of loss. The Cincinnati one at home was a surprise. But Cincinnati's 37 in net right now. That's not, that's not a terrible loss. It was just a surprise out of the gate. So that was tough. What's interesting is, 
yes, defensively, BYU did not play well enough. I thought that BYU um, contested and was there on the catch quite a bit. This was what Oklahoma State did to BYU was what BYU's opponents experienced, Spencer, which is they knock down a bunch of threes and you go, oh, my gosh, what do we do? What do we and do? they're efficient doing so. 11 of 22. Yeah, they knock down a bunch of threes, and it's tough. No one really shoots a three like BYU. But BYU lost four games. has only made eight in each game, Spence. Like, that number is getting lower each game. BYU needs to make threes to have success. They took the there 35 ex- this time around. There are exceptions to that, right? You, you beat Texas uh, handily making seven threes. You beat Iowa State handily. You didn't need to make a gajillion threes. You got to the free throw line. The free throw line thing was tough, too. BYU has 14 fewer attempts and seven fewer makes. So you got to play better defense for sure. But I don't, I don't think that BYU was – the numbers say BYU was terrible on defense. I don't think they were as bad as the numbers say. Like Oklahoma State made some tough shots that BYU did not. Yeah, Sometimes notably Jamiron Keller. Simple. I mean, we, he doesn't miss a shot. Oklahoma State had a guy who did not miss a shot. Like that is that's tough to overcome when you're playing away from home. Yeah. And so uh, Keller was the lead in that efficient effort. But you look at 11 for 22 from the three-point line for Oklahoma State, led by Keller's just hot shooting. And BYU got up the 35 that they want to shoot each game but only make eight. Is it as simple as that? Like, does BYU just need to make 11 threes out of the 35 attempts and we're having a different conversation here? Is it, I mean, Earlier in the game, yes. Like like a like a late run when it was sort of kind of over anyway. Then they made a few because no. it, it, it at one point it was what two Oklahoma for two State for twenty. BYU started two for twenty from the three point line. It's terrible. Oklahoma State was up twenty. Like okay, you make three threes late, like you cut into it, and now it's in the eleven point game ish. You know, not didn't determine it. You need to do it earlier. Like obviously, wide open threes like that are tough, but BYU had like knocked down some threes. Uh, Trevin now late airballs a three. Um, that he never airballs. Like what? He struggled two for eight from three. Tre- uh, Dallin Hall had five turnovers. Like that was that was a lot for him, right? Bury didn't really turn it over that much. So you need uh, you need a better performance uh, from certain guys. But here's my thing, Spence. What I like gymnastics scoring. You throw out the high and the low. Okay. That's what you are. Okay. What's the high? It's Iowa State. I beating Iowa State at home like Bury did is amazing. You throw out the low. This is the new low. BYU is still a good team. I know that it's not trending the direction we sort of want. Like, oh, almost blew a lead against Kansas State. Almost blew a lead against UCF. Actually lost at Oklahoma State. That doesn't look good, especially when Baylor's coming to town and then you're at Kansas State, at Kansas, like at Iowa State sitting there later. Those are tough trends, don't get me wrong. But still, BYU is a good team. They're still in the right spaces with the metrics. Yes, they're going to fall a little bit. I just want BYU to be a like at least a seven seed in the tourney at some point, and I'll be happy. Seth Davis on Saturday tweeted something like, "Oh, BYU losing big at Oklahoma State doesn't look don't look like they're ready for March quite yet," or something to that degree. And I was like, "Well, you didn't tweet that when BYU beat Iowa State. You know what I mean? You're just coming in on the worst loss of the season. Like, just because BYU lost this game doesn't mean that there's no hope. BYU stinks. No, no, this is the worst performance of the year." Yes, I acknowledge. But you throw out the high, you throw out the low, that's who BYU really is, and that team is still a top six or seven seed in the NCAA tournament as we speak. Things aren't trending well. you gotta, you got to show especially. up. Defensively especially. But guess what? If BYU wins tomorrow, we're, we're going to forget about Saturday. That would be a big win. There's an opportunity at home to add another Texas or Iowa State-like win 
against a very good Baylor team. The urgency for BYU has certainly increased, especially to win at least one of the next three games because of what happened in Stillwater. We all kind of thought once BYU survived UCF, okay, there's a real opportunity for BYU to get two games above 500 and my goodness, be in the top six of the standings in the Big 12 going into a very difficult three-game stretch. You lose the game to Oklahoma State, so now you just it starts to feel uncomfortable emotionally. And again, the urgency really increases to take care of either Baylor, Kansas State, or Kansas. But, I mean, defensively, you give up 93 to Oklahoma State. As you pointed out, that's the most points that Oklahoma State has scored all year in Big 12 play. Like that. That's tough. I hate that BYU is on the opposite end of that. That's, it's not fun. And it's, it's right after you give up a huge amount of points to UCF as well and had to survive that game. So just the trend of back-to-back games where BYU wasn't super sharp defensively is not ideal, but maybe it is just a single loss. Maybe BYU just needs to get home and rally, and this is a weird conference, and they are sitting seventh place alone right now. They're still on the they, left side of the screen. They would have been seventh if graphic. they had won, Spence. Like, it, it wouldn't matter. They'd still be seventh, so it's not a huge deal. It, well, it, it is a big deal in that it's your worst loss of the year. But what I mean is it's not over. And, th- again, this isn't losing at Pepperdine. It's a quad two. Like, Ultimately, it wasn't a quad it, it, three yes, or four. It's a quad two loss. It could fall to quad three later very easily. But it's not – this is not <laughs> – the good news is this is not losing at Pacific or Pepperdine or Portland-like. It is different. It's quad two on the road, which is like losing to Santa Clara which was a little different. They produced back-to-back lottery is, picks. Does the conversation need to be bigger than just Oklahoma State? Like, are, are the concerns greater than just this loss? Let's listen to head coach Mark Pope talk about specifically BYU's defensive struggles against Oklahoma State on Saturday. You know, it's a defensive issue for us right now. It was, um, you know, we we got hurt in transition. We got hurt in shell. You know, we knew that shell principles were going to be wildly important coming to this game. and. Okay, so the Shows head coach. the type of defense. Yes, the head coach pointing out in transition, specifically on defense, where BYU really got hurt against Oklahoma State. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, but it, there was one play that was bad. Uh, yeah, I for sure. About it. Oh, for sure. Ali cannot run back with a guy, and then Noah, I think Waterman was kind of behind. And so it was tough. It was like just a lip where I was like, wait, no one is beating him down the floor? Shoot, that's just an easy lip. There are moments like that that certainly stick out. Oklahoma State is a very physical team. No, they were worried about the physicality going into the game, speaking of BYU, about the Cowboys. And again, on their home floor, they're, they're bugged. They're, in, they, they're tired of being at the bottom of the conference. They want a signature win. And so, like, there was added motivation for sure. Here comes another ranked team. A top 10 net team. Oklahoma State game. has won two in a row at home. Now they've won three in a row after beating BYU. And they're tired of being at the bottom of the conference. They're still very capable. This is the same Oklahoma State team that took Baylor to overtime early in Big 12 play and has been super close against some other ranked teams but unable to close it out. They finally take care of business against BYU. And so, that yeah, they were extra physical, and that's why Mark Pope and his staff were really concerned about, like, the Smash Mouth style of play. Smash Mouth. Oh, I love Smash Mouth, dude. Smash Mouth style of playing basketball. Like, if, they, the let you, the band. if they let you play physically – then that BYU has had a tough time matching up against teams like that when things get physical. Times they punch back, but 
I mean, UCF plays that way. Oklahoma plays that way. Oklahoma State plays that way. Back. That's not the roster makeup. The roster makeup is – But they did against Iowa State and right. Texas. Well, I, w- I would argue um, yes and no. It's, you're not, that's not BYU's roster. BYU's roster is great ball movement and uh, a lot of guys that can shoot threes. That's BYU's strength. You're not, you're not trying to go toe-to-toe on third and one at the goal line. Defensively, I think you are, though. Defensively, I think you are. Okay, may, I'm not okay, talking about I'm, offense. I'm talking about defense. Like, when they come at you and it's physical, like, defense is what travels. It's like what you can control. You can control the physicality to match what they are bringing at you. Like, that, sure. that is a principle that is there. Yes. I'm, yeah, BYU has some good defensive players for sure. But, no, yeah. BYU is going to beat you on the offensive end of the floor. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's, that's a, not the argument I'm making. The point I'm trying to make. I'm saying like defensive I, physicality. Like they, your best was, defense of that is offense to me. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're intertwined. It's to go it's, down it's and make a three. It's a symbiotic To get a rebound, go make a three. But you can rebound and play hard-nosed defense, and it just didn't feel like BYU was there in those categories against Oklahoma State on Saturday. It just it, They've played better defensively and more physically defensively. Literally every game besides that, Smith, was better <laughs> defensively. That is, that is the worst defense I know. BYU's played. The team sheet for BYU remains impressive. 18-7 and seven overall, 6-6 six and six in conference, 7th place in the Big 12. Three and five in quad ones, three and two in quad two, and that Oklahoma State loss, again, as we have noted, is a quad two loss. So the Cougars, six and seven in 13 games, Q1 and Q2 combined. They've been in the top 25 for almost three three straight months. Which probably ends, by the way. It could end today. I would be surprised if it doesn't. Uh, Quad three and quad four, no losses there. Fantastic. Fantastic. Ten in the net, 16 in the Ken Palm. Strength of record, still very strong. And you say 33, it's like, well, there are 362 Division I basketball teams. Oh, I'm taking top 40 all day. Let's go. All right. Today marks Mailbag Monday. And where this is where you ask questions. We answer them. The Crocs all on Instagram asking this. The last two teams BYU played had the best offensive performances of their season. <laughs> is this luck no. or a result from BYU's defense or something else? Yeah, BYU's got to play better defense. Um, you can negate some bad defense by a good offense, too. Like, you, you can knock down a three that quells a little bit of the momentum. Obviously, you got to rebound, you got to contest, you got to do all this stuff. Um, in the past, like, you know, a decade ago or whatever, BYU would be like, well, who cares if they scored on defense? We'll just go on offense. You can't have that mindset, right? But certainly, uh, there's work to do, and you have a real tough stretch now with Baylor coming in tomorrow. But again, if BYU shows up and they get a huge win tomorrow, which they're not trending that direction, but what if they beat Baylor tomorrow? All good, dog. Right back on track. All good, baby. And another quad one win, right? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like the second best win of the year tomorrow. That could uh, be amazing. I, Iowa State's number one. I believe the next five games are all quad one opportunities. <laughs> Five straight quad oh boy. one games. Number right. 19 as of now. We'll see what they're ranked or if they're ranked later. Uh, BYU to host number 12. We'll see what happens with them. Uh, Baylor tomorrow. Pre-game 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up, as promised, we'll chat with ESPN college basketball insider and analyst Jay Billis joins the program to discuss BYU's first year in the Big 12. And are his concerns greater than just the Oklahoma State loss on Saturday? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event.
Pass out to Robinson. Long three. Oh, <laughs> Back to the basket. That's it. We are live on a Monday in Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now is ESPN college basketball insider, expert, and analyst Jay Billis is back on the program. Jay, great to have you back on BYU Sports Nation. How are you this morning? Doing great. How are you guys doing? You know, I wish we were discussing another we, BYU win. Better. And the Cougars were 7-5 and five and had beaten the, uh, the Cowboys on the road, but they didn't. But still, we're looking big picture today, so... Uh, how at this juncture, BYU six and six in the toughest basketball conference in America. How would you assess what BYU has done in the Big Twelve thus far? I think it's been great. I mean, I think most people expected it was going to be a rougher ride than this, going uh, from one conference to another, especially going into what I consider to be the best conference in the country. So, I think uh, marks. You know, it's been high marks for BYU uh, all the way around. And, and it's hard not to feel good about the resume when you look at it. Things still good. Certainly uh, trending in a certain direction. Defensively, BYU's not played great the last couple of games. Uh, but, you know, at Oklahoma State, uh, you know, other teams have lost there as well. Uh, how would you kind of summarize what, what that loss kind of meant on Saturday and where BYU needs to go from here? Well, I mean, any game on the road I think is difficult to win. But, uh, you know, even Oklahoma State, they haven't had as much success this year. Part of it's been some injuries they've had at given times, but they're just not as consistent. And people tend to forget you can have good teams that have less than stellar records because they're just not particularly consistent. That doesn't mean they can't play really well from game to game. And, you know, BYU, like a lot of teams, you know, BYU is different offensively. They, they uh, are one of the best three-point shooting teams, if not the best three-point shooting team in the country. They actually shoot more threes than Alabama, which to a lot of fans would be really surprising. Uh, but they're not, you know, they're not uh, a, a lockdown defensive team. They're good defensively, but that's not really, I wouldn't say that's their identity is to knock people's teeth in on the defensive end. So that doesn't mean they can't get significantly better uh, as we go through the season uh, toward the end. And, uh, but their offense is good enough to keep them in every game and, and have a chance to win. Jay Billis is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You had BYU at number 14 in your own personal rankings last week. So after a loss at Oklahoma State, how much does that impact BYU's resume and where they fall in your index right now? Not very much. It doesn't, it doesn't affect them that much at all. Um, you know, I think the, the issue is going to be there are a lot of teams that are kind of bunched up after you get past the top couple of seed lines um, and, uh, if you want to try to project out the tournament. And I think what the committee is going to ultimately wind up doing to tell them apart, unless you're – you know, parsing through a lot of tape like us idiots do, um, you're not going to be able to tell them apart. So what they'll have to do is just count count quality wins and then count quality road wins, things like that. The one thing the committee does that I think is stupid is they they parse non-conference schedules. And why do, why do you care what non-conference schedule BYU played when they play this crazy hard conference schedule? You know, they say it's your overall body of work. So what difference does it make whether you challenge yourself in the non-conference? If you're challenged in your league and overall it gives you a competitive schedule with anybody else, I don't see why the committee should even factor that in. But 
you know, nobody asked me. I, I just think that's <laughs> kind of dumb. Hey, Tom Homo, BYU's athletic director, used to be on the committee for a couple of years. It's been fun to gain his insights as to kind of what they look at on the team sheet and whatnot. And right now, BYU's team sheet uh, looking good. Certainly not playing on Sunday in the second round means there's only four spots BYU could go, Jay, and one of them is Salt Lake. BYU's really hoping they could get some kind of home court advantage there, and if so, they'd probably be a more weathered, experienced team than they've ever been having one year in the Big 12. Yeah, where they go doesn't really matter. I mean, it's just gaining entry and trying to get the best seed you can because uh, you can you can get the best possible seed. And so you know, last year, Arizona two, and they wind up getting a horrible matchup with a team like Princeton to have to try to guard that stuff. Um, and it, it gets really difficult with your second round matchup or your your second uh, second game in, in a weekend. You know, football has the luxury of at least one week to prepare for everything. And basketball doesn't get that. So you have to prepare for one game, then you got to turn around in a short time frame, and the players have to digest how to deal with a completely different opponent in a very short time period. So that puts some of the top seeds at, at some risk there. Jay, BYU hosts Baylor tomorrow, so not much time to dwell on the loss against Oklahoma State. <laughs> they have a top 15 team coming to the Marriott Center tomorrow. What do you expect in that matchup the second time these teams have met, but this time obviously BYU dealing with home court advantage? Yeah, the, the, as you guys know better, better than most, the uh, Marriott Center is a tough place to play. Uh, but, you know, Baylor's used to that. They, they play in tough places all the time. Um, it doesn't mean they're going to do well in that environment. Uh, but, you know, playing in Allen Fieldhouse and some of the places they have to play, I don't think it'll be quite as shocking to them. Like BYU, it, it may be the best atmosphere in the Big 12, but it's got some real competition, at least. Um, and in, in their time in other leagues, uh, it's been the best atmosphere. Um, so I think, I think Baylor will be, will be a little bit more uh, used to that kind of thing, if you will. Uh, but Baylor's very good. They haven't shot the ball as well in Big 12 play as they did in non-conference play, but they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. And uh, Jacoby Walter has started to find his range. He struggled a little bit uh, making shots early on in Big 12 play, and his numbers went way down. Um, and then Ray J. Dennis, who transferred in from Toledo, where he's Mac Player of the Year, is a, a really good point guard. And uh, they're legit. They're very good. And the guy that's really made a difference to them is uh, Eve Misi, uh, the freshman uh, from Cameroon. And uh, he's explosive and can block shots. And he's really, uh, really difficult to contain in pick and roll situations because he rolls so hard in the basket. So it'll be a challenge. But BYU is going to be able to spread them out. And uh, they can make shots from uh, – they must have five or six guys that have made 30 or more threes. So uh, th there'll be a, a major challenge uh, to spread out that Baylor defense. Jay, most, most of the announcers that come into Provo, they say Marriott Center, and that quickly tells you, hey, you're not from here. You don't know how to say the name of the gym. You said Marriott, which is proper, so thank you for being one of us. I appreciate that. Well, that, that's not up to you. That's up to the Marriott people. <laughs> if they're going to give me Marriott points for saying it the right way, I haven't seen any benefit from it, so I might just say Marriott. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Give them some Bonvoy. Give, give them some no 100,000 no points. Me. Why should I do it? Yeah. I, I actually played there when I was in high school. Did you they really? Used to have a, yeah, they used to have a, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, and when I played AAU ball, there wasn't as much of that back then as there is now. But uh, but I played against a lot of guys that went to BYU in L.A., and, uh, friends of mine and all that stuff. Uh, 
Um, and uh, but yeah, we played a. It was called the BCI, you know, Basketball Congress International. I don't even know what the hell that meant. But, uh, we, yeah, we, we played at BYU. I think it was honestly. I think that was the first time at that tournament that Duke saw me play, uh, where I ultimately wound up going. Uh, so I got I got recruited by a lot of places because of uh, because of that. And we also we, uh, there was nothing to do for us in uh, other than play basketball there. So we used to go to a bowling alley in Provo. <laughs> And uh, and we called it the uh, uh, the CBI, the Provo Bowling Invitational. So we got a bunch of guys together to bowl. So we, we are expert bowlers at Provo. Yes. Yeah, very nice. Jay Billis, Provo Bowling Invitational champion, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, let's tack on some Marriott points for sure. Jay, I think the question is, when when can we get you back in the Marriott Center at any point to call a game or otherwise? Just call my bosses. I, I'd love to be there. Um, it's been a long time since I've been there. I've done some BYU games on the road, you know, in Maui and some different places, but I haven't had uh, I haven't had the chance to get back there in a while. Part of that was the conference affiliation thing for a little while, but now, uh, now because of the Big Twelve, um, yeah, just just uh, just ring up my bosses and tell them tell them uh, I want to go because I want to go. Okay, the call the call is going in for sure. BYU versus Kansas next year. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> There will have to be some coffee shipped in, though. That, that's the, uh, oh, we, the only downside. We got you. <laughs> I think there are enough uh, things around campus that it's, can accommodate it's that. It's not just a bowling alley now, Jay. <laughs> we got you. Oh, All right, Jay. Uh, as far as BYU's resume goes, uh, your good colleague, Jill Lenardi, has BYU as currently a five seed. Maybe they drop a, a seed line after the loss to Oklahoma State. But in your realistic opinion, what's what's the ceiling for BYU? Where how high could they go without fully putting on these blue goggled lenses that sometimes BYU fans do? You know, I, I, I really don't know the answer to that. I mean, with all respect to what uh, Joe does and all these bracketologists, there's there's nothing I care less about than where somebody is today. <laughs> um, because, it, you know, they always say if it ended today, it doesn't end today. And that always puts uh, outcome over process. And the process is play the game in front of you and get better so that you're at your best in March. And that's what the coaches are saying. I mean, I, I don't think the teams are looking at this going. Uh, I know some of the coaches do look at this stuff for their own uh, edification, sort of the idea that, uh, hey, if we go three and two in this stretch, we'll be in better shape or this, this game means more uh, for our resume. But the, uh, the players, that doesn't get you any wins to focus on that stuff. It doesn't help you. And I'm more of a process guy. Um, but, but, look, the, the, the good news is BYU is really good. And I, I, I don't think there are very many teams out there, if any, that they cannot beat. It's just the, the list of teams that can beat them is probably a little bit longer because of the nature of this year. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly what it is uh, because we don't have all the data, but I tend to think the transfer portal especially and then NIL to some extent has spread talent around more, which is what I anticipated would happen and what every reasonable economist anticipated what would happen. And that's what most fans said they wanted. Um, so it's a little bit harder to tell uh, some teams apart resume-wise, and that's why for the committee it's going to come down to accounting exercise. Um, and I don't know, honestly, it should be any different because I'm not sure that, that I would trust uh, a committee to decide, well, they looked at us play and they think that another team's better than us. Uh, I'd rather, I'd rather they do it based on, on how many games did you win? 
uh, against what quality competition and how many road wins, and then just slot it that way. That's a lot easier than trying to say, well, you know, Purdue's offense is really good against zone. Uh, I don't want them making that determination. You've uh, been outspoken over the years about different uh, NCAA issues and whatnot. What's sort of top of mind of, hey, we need to address this moving forward? Because there's a lot of discussion, obviously, about Transportal, NIO, and whatnot. Conference, or, uh, expansion of the NCAA tournament is always discussed. What's number one on your agenda item of, we need to address this? Well, I mean, if, if it's off-court issues, um, the NCAA is staring down some court cases that are going to cost them billions of dollars, and they're going to lose them. And to me, it's a no-brainer. The, the simplest and smartest thing to do running a multi-billion-dollar entertainment industry is just take the restrictions off and tell these institutions you can pay whomever you want, whatever you want, in whatever fashion you want. And it'll be a recognized market. It won't be very difficult. They'll sign the players to contracts. If you can sign them to a letter of intent, you can sign them to a contract. It's not that hard. And coaches say, well, it's transactional. It's always been transactional. You either offered a player a scholarship or offered them a walk-on position. They signed a letter of intent. It's not difficult. But if you sign them to a contract, you bargain with the player, and the player has bargaining rights, and, and they say, we'll pay you X amount of dollars, but we want a buyout in the contract. We want a provision that says if you become academically ineligible, the contract's terminated. If you get arrested or run afoul of the law, the contract's terminated, things like that. And there can be player protections in there if the player wants health care or something like that. You can bargain for it. Not that difficult. And, uh, you know, it works for the rest of American society. The idea wouldn't work for college sports. is kind of asinine. But um, they just don't want to do it. Uh, and most administrators don't like it because they're worried about their jobs. And they know that if players are paid, that the efficient way uh, to spend money is going to be put money to get better on the field or on the court. And then for the, the, the positions that make those on the court better and make a, they're going to eliminate a lot of these needless administrative positions, just like a bank would eliminate having a hundred vice presidents. You don't need all that. Um, and that's one of the reasons they don't want, they don't want to do it. Uh, and, and part of it is, you know, college sports still looks at the money they bring in as their money. And so if a player gets any of it, they're going, wait a minute, we're giving the player our money and, and it's not their money. Uh, that, that's the problem that they have is they have to wrap their heads around they're running a business here. And now the courts and the government are going to make them run their business the way other American businesses run. And they don't like being told that. Jay Billis of ESPN is on BYU Sports Nation. Jay, if, just a follow-up question there. What, what's an appropriate or realistic timetable to make an adjustment like that? How, how long do you think it would take if the NCAA just said, okay, you can sign these players to contracts and pay them whatever, whenever. Like, how, how long do you think that would take to legally implement and get moving? They could do it tomorrow. They could just say uh, no more restrictions. And, you know, look, it, it, it's really interesting to me that we seem to think this is so difficult because we've always had these restrictive rules on players that violate federal antitrust law. That's, a, that's, that's established. The way the NCAA operates is a cartel which unilaterally uh, places wage restrictions on one class of person, that being the athlete, that's illegal. And they now know that. The Supreme Court has said it. They now know it. If they said tomorrow um, you could do it, uh, you, could, you could just pay them whatever you want, they would be, it, it would work just like it works with hiring an athletic director, hiring a coach or an assistant coach. You know, the, the, the university president and the leadership of BYU isn't sitting up at night going, oh, my God, like, how are we going to run this university? Like, do we pay the landscape professional the same as we pay the provost? 
do we pay the, the secretary of the basketball office the same as we pay Mark Pope? I mean, they work just as hard and they're just as valuable. I mean, what do we do? They, they don't do that. It's not that difficult. And it's funny how, how in no time they could put together a 12-team playoff and sell it for over $8 billion. They figured that out, and they weren't worried about who's getting what. They can do this tomorrow. It's not that difficult. Follow them on X, at Jay Billis. And, Jay, we wish you were with us tomorrow night in the Marriott Center calling Baylor BYU. That's not the case, but you're still very busy. So where can college basketball fans catch you this week? They can hit their mute button on Wednesday night when uh, I'm at uh, I do uh, Duke at Miami, and then I'll be in Texas, Kansas on Saturday. So get the mute button ready. It's it's it's, it's very effective. <laughs> hey, Big Twelve, baby, let's go back in the Big Twelve this weekend. Jay, we appreciate your time. We know how insanely busy you are, uh, and thanks for making some time for us on BYU Sports Nation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You got it, Jay Billis of get ESPN. Get this man some Marriott, yes, Marriott, Marriott points. points. More on. Marriott points. I think we have a connection at the, the Provo downtown Marriott. So you got a place to stay, a nice place to stay. When, sure you come, when you come and call a game yeah. at the Marriott Center. But interesting that he, he played here in high school, but he's like, man, I've been there. I've been back in a long time. His like, freshman year was 82. So if it was his junior or senior year, Danny Ainge would have been with the Blue Jays maybe while he was yeah. coming here to, to hang out and play some basketball and bowl and whatnot. Wild. Maybe Jim McMahon was bowling the same <laughs> night on another the lane. Like bowling Blaine Fowler would have been here as a freshman, uh, maybe Jay's senior year. Who knows, just like a year difference there, I think. Yeah. But, he's such um, an intriguing voice just in college athletics in general. Hey, what he's talking about is very interesting. I do not think that that benefits, by the way, BYU in the future. BYU is not about hand, NIL handout. They're trying to compete in that space. But BYU is not recruiting the top dogs that cost a lot. Those guys are not going to come here because BYU is not going to give them a, a ton of cash, right? They want a different kind of guy that comes to BYU. Mm. So, um, Don't you if, think it's already kind of happening, though, even though it's, it's not yes, fully but, declared, but like the, the rich are getting richer yes. with athletes anyway? Yes, and my concern there is, can BYU win a Power 5 conference championship if it's not going to be as competitive financially in that space by choice? That's my concern, because I'm not talking about being in a Power 5. Check, BYU's there. Competing in a Power 5 in men's hoops right now. Check, despite this, right? It's not like these guys aren't getting NIL money. I'm talking about top-end guys where you get great, uh, great talent and a certain amount of money. BYU's, yes, going to pay a certain amount of money, but it's not going to be top-end money. Mm. When we're talking about championships, Spencer, I'm not talking about ballers on a budget, which is what BYU's done for a long time, and a different kind of person that comes here that wants to be a BYU associated with certain values and whatnot. I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about winning conference championships. That just, there's no, there's no kind of cap on that. And then suddenly, now what? What does that look like for BYU in a championship level in football and men's basketball? BYU can win women's volleyball and women's soccer and so on and so forth. Without that, those aren't the NIL spaces we're referring to. Okay, so, I mean, you're referencing for lack of a better phrase, the big money sports. That's like, what they were referring BYU to. BYU will never sign a quarterback for a million dollars, for example. So what, what you're going to do is go get somebody else that may fit your system a little better, that is hungry, that has skill. Mm. My, and, and, and look, let's be honest. In the case of like Keaton Slovis and Jerry Bohannon, not as sought after because of injuries last some recent struggles, but will, they want an opportunity, and BYU wants them to have said opportunity. Will BYU sign a guy for $750,000 at some point, a quarterback? And that, at some point, if there's no cap, that would be on the cheap end, Spence. You, you get what you pay for to some degree. But, like, if you're going to win a Big 12 championship, 
do you have to fork out the cash at some point is the question I would so ask. So sometimes the magic just kind of comes together without those big money type players, and that's what BYU is going to have to kind of hope for, right? Like I don't believe at, that will happen. You look at Baylor football in 2021, and it was like they had they had no like – This is pre-NIL stuff. Big – well, NIL was in like, play in it's, 2021. It's, the it's still not figuring it out. It's not – no, it's not the same as like – from here on out, especially, and I'm referring to what Jay is talking about. If they lift the lid on this completely, for sure. Then it, then yeah, I understand. Your now you're just hoping there, to go eight and four, and you're celebrating those wins, what, but you're not actually competing for a conference. What's constituted right now is, man, if if you do get a great quarterback in in football, as fickle as it is, you get an amazing amazing player that can change your program Absolutely. for one season, right? And, and BYU's had those throughout the years. I just wonder if at some point you wouldn't have got the guy, get the guy you guys you've got. Because now the landscape is very different in recruiting. Like, like Jaron Hall coming out now, is he still coming to BYU? I would hope so. But, like, you know, uh, other, other guys, who knows? I, I'm just concerned. Again, I'm not talking about making a bowl game or going 8-4. I'm talking about if the lid sure. is lifted on NIL, will BYU be able to have enough talent to win a conference championship, not compete, Win a conference championship if you're not paying those high-end guys. Or will they play I ball? I am concerned yeah. it will be very difficult. Yeah, for sure. They're difficult regardless. Yeah. It's, it's difficult even for the okay. rich teams. I'll say it more plainly, that yeah. it won't happen. Okay. That's what I'm concerned about. All right. Uh, intriguing segment for sure with Jay Billis. Yeah. Great to have him back on the show. Appreciate him. There's very few guys who are like, yes, we'll take you in any form, even if a phone while you're dipping in and out oh, of the he's car. He's so busy. We don't care. Jay Billis, awesome. BYU Basketball. Mark with Mark Pope. Thursday nights, 8.30 Eastern time. Big game with Baylor at Kansas State this weekend. Let's go. Lauren Gustin set a new career high in points scored over the weekend. In a tough loss to Kansas, she was remarkable again. The Cougars are 5-9, and nine, but she's been so good. Should she be considered for the Big 12 Player of the Year honor? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social. We're on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jaron. We just spoke with ESPN's Jay Billis. If you missed that conversation, you should watch it on demand. For now, let's roll out your Monday headlines. Men's basketball lost 93-83 at Oklahoma State. BYU's worst loss of the season by net ranking, 125. Cougar scored a big two, or the Cowboys rather, scored a big 12 season on 93 points, shot almost 60%. BYU shot a season low 23% from three in the loss. BYU is still number 10 in net, 16 in Ken Palm. We'll see if the Cougars stay in the AP poll today. Number 12, Baylor is in town tomorrow night, pregame 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Ready. BYU women's basketball had their three-game winning streak snapped Saturday in a 70-62 home loss to Kansas. This in spite of a career-best 33 points from Lauren Gustin. She added... You know, 18 rebounds, incredible. But outside of Gustin, BYU players combined to shoot just 11 of 41 from the field, two for 17 from the three-point line. With the Cougars' most recent loss, they're now 15 and 12, five and nine in the Big 12. Up next, they host TCU and Provo on Wednesday in a game that will certainly play a huge role in where they wind up in Oklahoma, or sorry, rather in Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament. The Big 12 announces its inaugural Pro Days in Frisco, Texas. It'll be, here's the announcement, March 27th through the 31st. Five full days of one day through Sunday, live on the NFL Network. And the Football Media Days were announced this morning, July 9th and 10th at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. 
Sixth ranked BYU men's volleyball swept by number two Grand Canyon back to back nights at the Smith Fieldhouse this weekend. The Lopes are for real. With the loss, BYU drops to 9 and 5 overall. They're 0 2 in MPSF play. That's quite a way to open up MPSF competition, too. Up next, you know, fourth ranked UCLA in the matches this weekend. Saturday. Might as well be Grand Canyon UCLA to begin at home. Oh, boy. Yeah, huge matches. Obviously, uh, a win is needed in at least one of the two. Didn't one of the sets go to 32 points? Yeah, 34 32. Oh, my goodness. The first night, it was all three were due sets. Uh, Saturday, not as much. Crazy finish to the ending Saturday, by the way. If you saw John Stanley hurts his ankle, they point at the wrong team for the point. They start the line to finish the match, and they're like, wait a minute, why are we doing this? It clearly was BYU's point. What are we doing? They challenged. It took 10 minutes. We restart. Oh, man. Service error into the net. It was over. Okay, uh, what else is going on? Baseball. Open the season. 8-1 win against USC. Bump, 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 and then lost Saturday, 7-2 to Ohio State. Freshman Kuhio Aloy had a homer in both games. Boy, Dude shows up, hitting dingers. Let's go. Cougars play Grand Canyon today at 3 Eastern on BYU Radio and MLB.com. Avenge the men's volleyball loss. Yes, Dave, Dave McCann, our good friend on the call. BYU softball won their final three games at the Littlewood Classic in Tempe, Arizona this weekend. They dropped games one and two, but the Cougars bounced back with wins against Illinois State, Memphis, and Cal State Fullerton. BYU now 8-2 and two on the season. They'll head to Palm Springs. Hey, you're old stomping grounds. Absolutely. This is a cool facility they're playing in, too. For the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic, which begins on Thursday, high-level teams, and all of the parks are designed like famous Major League Baseball stadiums. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I like that. Gymnastics scored a season high. Nice. 196-6 Friday at number five. Kentucky, some notable performances, including Anissa Alvarado, led the Cougars on bars, 9925. Lisa Rollins, new season high, 9925 on the beam. Alex Mason. Uh, scored a 9-8 plus on the beam bars and vault. Up next, BYU host Big 12 affiliate Denver in a home meet on Friday. They're showing consistent growth as a team that, dare I say, is overachieving right now. Denver's really good. It'll be fun to watch those two teams compete in Big 12 competition. Pioneers versus Brigham. <laughs> yeah. That is a matchup. Come on. Former BYU runner Rory Linkletter qualified for the 2024 Paris Olympics yeah. representing Canada. After running the Olympic standard in the marathon yesterday morning, congratulations to Rory. Awesome. Linkletter now marks the fourth former BYU Cougar who has qualified at this point for the Olympics in Paris, joining Connor Mance and Clayton Young also in the marathon and our guy Jimmer Fredette in 3x3 basketball. This is a marathon school, Spence. Mm. Men and women's track and field distance teams competed at the Terrier DMR Challenge in Boston on Friday. Sadie Sargent, Sami Oblad, uh, probably Sammy. Uh, Megan Hunter and Riley Chamberlain broke the BYU school record in the DMR, placing third overall. Which, by the way, all three of those are the fastest in NCAA history. The men's team took fourth overall as well. BYU men's tennis winning their fifth straight match, beating Nevada 6-1. to one. The women's team with their sixth win of the season, they best Colorado State also 6-1. to one. That takes care of your Monday headlines. Now for the Big 12 Roundup. Number 10, Iowa State beat Texas Tech 82-74. Keyshawn Gilbert had 24 in the win. Cyclones outscored Texas Tech 28-0 in points off turnovers. Iowa State plays at number three, Houston, tonight. That's a huge game. I'm really glad the BYU did not have a single Saturday-Monday situation, by the way. Amen to that. Especially because your boys ain't practicing on Sunday. 
Sixth ranked Kansas with a big bounce back win on the road at number 25 Oklahoma 67-57. Hunter Dickinson 20 points, 16 rebound, double double to lead the Jayhawks to that win in Norman. Kansas now eight and five in Big 12 play. Oklahoma falls to six and seven, one spot behind BYU. Number three Houston beat Texas 82-61. LJ Cryer 26. Jamal Shedd stuffed the stat sheet, 16 points, 11 boards, 6 assists, 6 steals, 2 blocks. He could be player of the, the year. As he well. could be player of the year in the conference. Houston hosts, as mentioned, number 10 Iowa State, and then Texas hosts Kansas State coming up tomorrow. 12th ranked Baylor. They take on BYU tomorrow night, and as the precursor, they beat up on West Virginia 94-81. Jacoby Walter and Jaden Nunn each scoring 20 points to lead the Bears to that win. They're now 8-4 in Big 12 play. West Virginia drops to 3-9. They've lost four straight. Baylor BYU can't wait tomorrow in the Marriott Center. Caleb Lohner, what's up? TCU 75, Kansas State 72. Jameer Nelson Jr. hit a fadeaway three with the second left for the win. Micah Peavy had 26 to lean the Horn Frogs. TCU 7 and 5 in league with win. Kansas State 5 and 7 with the loss. Plays at Texas tonight. Cincinnati outlasts UCF 76 74. Uh, the Knights trailed by 14 points, got to within one in the final minute, but unable to tie or take the lead. Sound familiar to what uh, happened against BYU with UCF? Oh, yeah. yeah UCF, big good. lead late. Good at the end, but not good enough to win. Cincinnati improves to 5-7 and seven in uh, league play. UCF drops to 4-8 and eight in league games, which takes us to the updated Big 12 standings. BYU alone in seventh place. They're the only team right now currently at 500, 6-6. Six and six. A game back of Texas Tech, TCU, and then there are the top four with Iowa State, Houston, Baylor, and Kansas. If BYU had won, they'd still be in seventh. They'd be seven and six right behind them. Yes. So not a huge deal in terms of place in the standings, but obviously a, a winnable game at yeah. Oklahoma State at this point. It stings yeah. for sure. Those are today's headlines, the Big 12 Roundup. Now some opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. This one's for Jay Bellis, who mentioned he doesn't like this type of thing. If the Big 12 tournament was today, <laughs> this is what the bracket would look like. Would you take this right now, or do you want to play it out? I want to play it out, because I don't want BYU to have to play Texas in the first round. Seven seed, and then if you win that, you're playing Houston, dude. I would love, would you love, love, What would you rather be right now? A six seed. Like, rather play, be a six and play Baylor? Play it out. Well, like, it, it things like you, your first round game would be against the winner of 11 and 14. Yeah. So you got a chance to get to like an, an easier and winnable I think game. yes, I think Baylor is a better matchup for BYU certainly than having to face Houston or Iowa State. I'd love to be a 6 as well. I'm thinking BYU's probably going to end up like if I'm calling my shot right now in the 8-9 game. Well, yeah. It, and it, then you'd play either the, Iowa State or Houston. Seed, but I'd, I'll take Iowa State though cuz BYU's shown they can beat them. And uh, that that'd be interesting, but yeah. There's not a matchup where you get to Thursday where you're going, no. yeah, we're winning that for sure. <laughs> There's not a single one where I'm like, BYU's winning that for sure. I would just like BYU to win a game in Kansas City. Like, win a game. If, if you're the sixth seed, no you, matter what, you got just, a shot, then just get to the quarterfinals. If you're the five or six and you get, get to the quarterfinals. You're going to be the five, though. BYU's going to be six, seven, eight, nine. Or nine. Yeah. Something. Like, I think they'll be somewhere between six and nine. Yeah. What you don't absolutely don't want to happen is slide into the 11 14 situation. Now you're playing on Tuesday. Now you're playing on Tuesday. Yeah. And then you're. That yeah. can get super weird. Ultimately, just win a game in Kansas City. Yeah. I'm not hoping for more than that. I just would like a win. If you get two, oh, amazing. I don't care how. Just it get is. one. Yeah. If you're the six seed, good chance to win that one. NCAA College Football 25. <laughs> it's happening. 
They posted this first trailer last week with the highly anticipated release coming later this summer. And here are a few BYU versions of the cover. This is actually a Utah fan. Christian Judd, he posted this with Darius Laster's one-handed catch against Texas Tech with the following quotation, to my brothers and sisters to the South, don't say I never gave you anything. <laughs> well done. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that catch. Incredible moment for BYU last season. And then our social team posted these two, Chase Roberts and a Lavelle Edwards Legends edition. I like the Lasseter one of the live action shots for sure. The, the Lavelle one is fantastic as well. I'm thinking for a cover, you need to see the person's eyes. So uh, Lavelle wins it for me. You, you got to see the eyes. That's how you market a thing. You can't just show the person looking down or you got to see the eyes. Yeah, this, is, this is basic marketing. Uh, let's, go. let's go. Okay, uh, should Lauren Gustin be in the Big 12 Player of the Year conversation despite BYU's 5-9 record in league? Jerem, she has been so good that she is a first-team All-Big 12 player right now. Yes. But you cannot overcome 5-9. and nine. You just can't. It's too hard. Yeah. Right now, it's Madison Booker because Texas, I think, is going to finish atop the standings. I mean, she's averaging 20 points a game. And, like, while she's not the rebounding queen like Lauren Gustin, she's still averaging 5.5 rebounds and 5.5 assists per game. Queen she's and Should 92% from the free throw line, 50% overall. Like, she, she is legit. WNBA future star Madison Booker. So, she's get, she, to me, is the player of the year right now. But Lauren should be a first-teamer right now. If it ended today, like, oh, she's not she first should teamer. be what a first-teamer. Yeah, she wasn't even on any list to begin the season. Not an honorable mention. That is wild. Dishonorably mentioned. All right, up next, we'll answer more of your Mailbag Monday questions after the break. Maybe you're concerned about BYU after Oklahoma State's loss, or maybe you just think it's just a one-off. What do you think? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. This is BYU Sports Station live from Studio B. It is Mailbag Monday, our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Alex Beach on X, who asks, was Saturday's men's basketball game more a case of BYU falling for a trap game, or are there deeper issues within the team? Three games in a row of defensive issues. BYU's pulled out the first two, did not this third one. Boy, I wish BYU would have that double-digit lead. We've talked about before but yeah no I think there are deeper issues on defense right for now. sure Mark Pope said as much post game today's rise and shout out is up next oh Canada on the mind this is BYUSA BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere Today's rise and shout out presented by Mountain America the official credit union of BYU athletics Rory Linkletter Team Canada in the marathon. Nice. Four Cougs headed to Paris so far. Uh, can't wait to watch. Our thanks to today's guest, ESPN's Jay Billis. He was awesome. Sorry to Dennis. Ran out of time. For Jeremiah Spencer and a final shout-out to Taylor Sander. Go Cougs. Beat UCLA, men's volleyball. Let's go.